0: Hi, um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering
1: if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers?
0: Yeah, no, not right now.
1: It's a Monday edition of PFT Live, Mike along with Mike week 16 almost in the books we've got the dolphins at the saints to wrap up the christmas weekend of action merry christmas to everyone out there who has yet to see or hear from us since we were off on friday and obviously on saturday but no days off on sunday not with the nfl getting closer and closer to the postseason hello mike goley great to see i you. hope you had a great holiday with your family welcome back and uh, we get we get to talk. People say, oh, you have to work on Monday. No, I don't have to work on Monday. I never have to work on Monday. I just talk about football for a couple of hours.
2: Let me tell you, talking, it, it, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. And I hope everybody had an incredible Christmas. And I hope at some point in that day you were as happy as Ralphie getting the Red Ryder BB gun from the greatest uh, Christmas uh movie there is in a Christmas story. So I hope everybody could smile that much. And listen, we got so much football to watch over the weekend. And now again tonight, what could be better than right now?
1: And, you know, I thought of you on Saturday because it was the two-year anniversary of one of my all-time great non-sports injuries. Christmas morning, just finished opening the gifts, wanted to get in, the pre-gluttony workout, had on the sports socks that are very slick on the bottom, had my face in my phone, heading down the stairs to the workout room, and I, I busted my ass literally, rode down the steps. My wife thought I was dead. She acted like she was concerned. I think she also had visions of my life insurance policy dancing in her head but I had a bruised tailbone. It hurt like hell for four or five weeks. There's nothing you do for it. You just deal with it. There's no treatment. Just deal with it. So that's one of my all time great non sports injuries, household injury. And uh, two years ago, I'd forgotten about it. I'd completely forgotten about it. And my wife said, Hey, do you remember what you did two years ago? It's like, why'd you have to remind me? I didn't ask for that. I didn't want that gift today. I, I'm fine to completely have forgotten that that ever happened.
2: So, so, just so I understand, you hurt yourself before the workout even started. You, you didn't even work. So, I guess the biggest question would be, after you fell down the steps and hurt your tailbone, that is a tough injury, and you're right. Nothing but rest can deal with that. Did you, in fact, continue and go work out, or did you call it a day at that point because it hurt too bad?
1: And as I watch Mike saying things we have to acknowledge that we're at least from my perspective i'm flying a little blind or should i say flying a little deaf now i know what it's like to have to try to read lips i have no idea what he was really saying because i've got two setups here in my home studio and i can faintly hear from the other side what mike is saying but for some reason my main primary see this thing, little. Peel behind the curtain. They keep this in your ear. You see the wire all the time. People wonder what is that. That's how we hear what's being said. I can't hear anything. So we're going to do our best to get through this. We have Matt Casey working as the go-between to let me know what Mike is saying. It's kind of a Cyrano situation on this Monday, the twenty-seventh day of December, but we will get through it as we always do. Uh, And and you know what? I to answer the question because Matt is keeping me apprised. I did go and. I got my workout in because I was in denial. I was in denial because I thought like I had broken my tailbone, so I was going to prove that I hadn't actually broken it or suffered some serious injury. So I went and sat on my bruised tailbone for an hour on my exercise bike, and then when I was done, I couldn't get off of it. But uh, we, we, we powered through it as we <laughs> well will power done. through it today. Let's talk some NFL, and as we begin, the rematch of that Monday night game that saw the Patriots exercise dominance over the AFC East. They seemed a little happy after that game. Bill Belichick actually smiled after that game. They had a viral clip from their locker room where they actually had fun. I thought we were told the Patriots didn't have fun. Maybe they had a little too much fun because they haven't won since then. And yesterday... The reason they didn't win is Josh Allen got back to being Josh Allen. Josh Allen, the guy we thought who was going to be the MVP of the league before the season began. And, you know, Mike, sometimes they just unleash this guy, both running and passing and it's magical when it happens and i think they try to hold him back as a runner because they don't want him to get injured they may need to lean into this a little bit more they may need to let this guy be the guy we saw yesterday all the time and throw some caution to the wind kind of like the ravens do with lamar jackson and let josh allen just go out there and carry the team they didn't have cole beasley who had tested positive they didn't have gabriel davis who was unavailable due to COVID as well and Josh Allen made up for the difference. Isaiah McKenzie helped out as well. He had over 100 receiving yards and a touchdown. But you know, look at that great play on fourth and one—the ball fake, the dip of the shoulders—and then he had the improvisation later in the same drive to Stephon Diggs on third and ten. That's the Josh Allen we expected to see all year. And uh, if they keep playing like that, they got two very winnable games at home. They are going to be a force in the postseason. We thought it may be the playoffs going to Buffalo. They may, they're going to probably have to take it on the road at some point, but they took it on the road pretty well yesterday. Patriots took it on the chin, and it's amazing just how how quickly our feelings change so dramatically about both teams involved in that one.
2: Well, it, it is amazing. We saw you know obviously New England leading the division and Buffalo trying to hang on to a playoff spot. Now it's reversed. I think there are, are three teams that need their quarterback to move. And I think Buffalo is one of them. I think Baltimore, you mentioned the other one. And I think the Arizona Cardinals as well with Kyler Murray. He's running a little less this year. But all of them have, been deal- have dealt through their short careers with some injury. So I think that's the hesitation, especially when Josh Allen that second year... You know, or, or, or the year he started throwing the ball better, when they got Stephon Diggs, they said, okay, he's throwing the ball well, we don't need him to run as much. But for this team to reach their potential, for Baltimore to eventually do that, for Arizona to eventually do that, they need those quarterbacks to be themselves and run. The only problem is you rarely see a running quarterback with a long career in the NFL. It just it doesn't work that way because they're going to take too many hits but there's no doubt that Buffalo is the team they are when Josh Allen just does his thing, throwing the ball, running the ball. We know the defense has been playing well at times. The main thing this year for most teams is the inconsistency, and we've seen it out of Buffalo, but when they put it together and look like this, that's the team we all saw as a viable threat to, New- or to Kansas City this year, and I know we'll get into Kansas City. We all thought it was gonna be Buffalo and Kansas City, Well, if Buffalo plays this way, then that's exactly what it's going to be. Because you mentioned the two guys that were missing because of COVID. Isaiah McKenzie comes into the game with seven receptions on the year, on the entire year. And he gets 11 in this game for, what, a buck 25 and a touchdown. So you had other players step up. You had the defense step up. And for New England two weeks in a row now, because I did the Colt game last week, New England loves to wait for you to make a mistake and they pounce on your mistake. The last couple of weeks, it's been New England that's made the mistakes. Two interceptions for Mac Jones against the Colts, two more interceptions against Buffalo. They're the ones making mistakes, not only interception, but other mistakes, and their opponents are taking advantage of it. So now they find themselves, you know, down out of the division lead and now looking to just try and make the playoffs.
1: One of the things about this season as well that we are seeing play out with so many different teams. That 17th game, it's it's stretched it all out, and it's created. And we can pick a team. Ups and downs and highs and lows and narratives develop, and then they shatter, and it goes the other way, and then they bottom out, and then it starts maybe going the other way. And that's the one thing that we have to keep in mind. I used to always say that there would be a team right around Thanksgiving that gets hot and stays hot. I think Christmas may be that point now, where we look for the team that is lurking on the fringes, because we had 27 teams alive for the postseason entering this win uh, this weekend. Maybe you can find the gas pedal as late as Christmas and not Thanksgiving, and carry that momentum into the postseason and be dangerous. You don't have to do it for five or six weeks. You can just do it for two or three weeks. Rediscover whatever that is that was allowing you to play well at whatever point in the season that you played well and then carry that into the single elimination round. Bill Belichick was on W E I this morning, and he basically made that point. He's not panicking. Let's see if we can play our best football. We still can. We still have a chance to do it. They're not ready to give up they're not ready to concede anything to anyone but it is odd to think just a few weeks after we were ready to concede across the board the AFC East to the Patriots they haven't won since then they had a bye week they looked very flat on that Saturday night against the Colts and they didn't look much better yesterday as the Bills became Mike and I think you're right the idea that, that they could they could Content with the Chiefs in the postseason. As good as the Chiefs are right now, that Bills team we saw yesterday could give the Chiefs a run for their money if they cross paths at some point in the AFC playoffs.
2: Oh, I I completely agree with that. The Bills can score enough points and their defense is good enough to slow down a high-scoring team like Kansas City. And and to, to your point about now it used to be Thanksgiving, it could be Christmas... Here's the thing, so it was always about being healthy by the time you get to the playoffs. And the thing was, is you knew when injuries would heal. I mean, it's it's you get an injury and my, that, that's what football players used to. Hey, you're out three weeks, you're out two weeks, you're out six weeks. So you could gauge when a guy can get healthy and hopefully get healthy by the end of the regular season when the playoffs hit. Like for Tennessee, you know, they can rest, get their guys healthy, and hopefully they can get them back by the playoffs. The one thing we don't know is COVID. I mean, COVID has devastated, devastated some teams. Again, remember, in Baltimore, it was Josh Johnson, who they signed 10 days ago, that had to be the quarterback. We saw Nick Mullins, the third quarterback for, for Cleveland, have to play. So... That's the one outlier. So uh, while I agree, you could, it can be Christmas now where you can find out what team you have. Still, that unknown and that cross your fingers and hold your breath is COVID. Is, is each day you come in, do you get, you know, does the coach get handed, this guy was positive, this guy was positive, this guy's going to be out, this guy was unvaccinated, so he's going to miss the next 10 days, he's going to miss the next game as well. So that's the problem here. Injuries, you have a kind of a time where you know what's going to heal, COVID, you just don't know when it's going to hit, and all of a sudden, on the morning of the game, you can lose a guy, and then you're in that uh uh-oh position.
1: You know, on this COVID situation, Mike, we've pivoted dramatically from entering week 15. The narrative was that the vast majority of the players who have it are asymptomatic. To last week, the narrative became... All of these guys who are landing on COVID reserve have symptoms, and they are admirably reporting them. Well, I would like to know the ratio of guys who are reporting their symptoms to the guys who are keeping them quiet, because I have a feeling one to one, one to two, one to three may be the ratio, because we know what human nature is going to do in this situation. I applaud the guys who are self-reporting, but I suspect that there are plenty who aren't. But- If it's true, as of a couple of weeks ago, that the vast majority of the guys who have it are asymptomatic and the vast majority of the guys who are landing on COVID reserve now have symptoms, it tells me there's plenty of guys out there who are asymptomatic and who are positive. They're just not being tested. And I think it's logical to conclude that this Omicron variant is washing through these teams. And the only good news is they're kind of going to get some de facto herd immunity here, Once everyone's had it and processed it, whether it's asymptomatic or symptomatic, we get through the next couple of weeks, and everyone should be good to go for the postseason. It's kind of a weird way to look at it, but that's what I think is a logical conclusion as to what's happening. But, you know, the Bills got through it yesterday. Mike, you were at the Colts game on Saturday night. They got through it despite having some key players absent. That's what's amazing to me is how teams are just kind of processing it like any other injury. Next man up. Let's go. We're not going to let it wreck our game. We're not going to let it wreck our season. And for the Bills, it's going to take a lot to wreck the next two weeks because the table is set for them. Steve Kornacki broke it down last night. They've got the Falcons and the Jets both going to Buffalo in January to end the season. The way they were struggling earlier this year, that's the best gift a Bills fan could have gotten to wake up today and to realize all we got to do is take care of business next two weeks at home. Against the Falcons and the Jets and we win the AFC East we survive the threat we overcome the odds that were stacked against us after that Monday night debacle against the Patriots just amazing there and uh you know with Mac Jones the Patriots rookie quarterback and he's the overwhelming favorite to be the offensive rookie of the year I don't know there's still a couple of games left I guess he could still blow it it was a rough day for him yesterday And uh, you're going to have days like that. The question is, and this is a point Joe Burrow made to me. We're going to talk about the Bengals coming up. In this league, you're going to have bad days. You're not going to win every game. The question is, how do you react and respond and recover from a bad day? How do you diagnose it? How do you treat it? How do you forget about it? But also learn from it and move on to your next challenge because – no matter how bad that day goes, there's another one coming. It's going to be 0-0 zero and zero with 15 minutes on the clock in the first quarter, and it's up to you to be ready to, to turn that, that into a different kind of an outcome. And, and the teams that can that – can, we always just talk about how defensive backs needed to have amnesia. I think everybody's got to have amnesia this year when everybody's capable of laying an egg any given day. you got to forget about that. you got to learn from it, you forget about it, and you move on to the next one.
2: Yeah, I I think the one big thing with with Mac Jones, and and again, the last two weeks, four interceptions, is is the way he was progressing. We were like, okay, he's a rookie, but he's really coming along well. But we have to remember that the running game was helping, and especially the defense was helping. This was a team that was given up basically 16 points a game. So when you have a defense that does that, you're always going to be in the game, and it's less pressure on your quarterback. In this case, on your rookie quarterback. So the defense, I think, has really helped Mac Jones be able to kind of grow at a, not a quick, quick rate, but grow at a nice scheduled rate because they're holding other teams down to points. Well, unfortunately, you know, the rookie shows up every now and then because he is a rookie. He's going to turn the ball over. And in this case, you give up 33 points to defense, does something – they haven't done very often this year, and now you put a little more on the shoulders of your rookie quarterback, something that he hasn't had to do as of late because the other teams haven't been scoring a lot of points. So I think we have to remember, because, I, it, you know, again, offense, you know, rookie of the year on the offensive side is probably going to be Mac Jones because he has played well, but there were compartments in it. Obviously, some, a lot is with him, no doubt about it, but I think you have to give that defense a lot of credit For that for keeping the score down and not putting a ton on his shoulders because he is still a rookie, and at times, he's going to show he's a rookie. So, you give up 33 points, sometimes that's going to be hard for Mac Jones to say, okay, I'm going to throw us back into the game.
1: So, uh, the Patriots are going to have to figure out a way to to, to, you know, when they're dealing with star offensive players, that's been the problem the past couple of weeks. We, we we just assume that Bill Belichick can always take away what the other team does best. We know that's what he wants to do. It's what he'd like to do. It's what he plans to do. But sometimes, what the other team does best, they still do pretty damn well, even when you're trying to take it away. Colts did it with Jonathan Taylor. The Bills did it with Josh Allen, and that's something to keep an eye on. That could be the fatal flaw, the Achilles heel for this Patriots team. The defense may be good enough to dismantle an offense that isn't great, but it may not be good enough to load up against a great player and shut him down and keep that team from doing what they want to do. So the vibe has changed. A couple of weeks ago, it was like, oh boy, it's going to be Patriots-Bucks in the Super Bowl Now... Who knows? And that's great. I want that who knows feeling to last as long as it possibly can. Let's pivot to the um, the Bengals game against the Baltimore Ravens, a rematch of a game earlier this year, week seven, when Baltimore uh, was beaten decidedly by Joe Burrow and company. That was the moment we were ready to anoint the Bengals as the kings of not just the afc north but potentially the afc they've ready they've arrived and then they lose a couple of games in a row and then they win a couple and they lose a couple and it's been a strange roller coaster for cincinnati this year well yesterday and and look no one's going to make any apologies to anyone who doesn't have their best players available the ravens didn't have lamar jackson then they didn't have tyler huntley their defense has been decimated by injuries but you know what we've seen plenty of teams step up and play well with backups or against teams who are quote unquote better than they are like the Texans yesterday against the Chargers and early on it looked like the Ravens were going to give them a run for their money but my goodness Joe Burrow a historic day fourth highest total in passing yardage in a single game with 525 he was 37 for 46 525 yards four touchdowns only Norm Van Brocklin in 1951 with 544 Warren Moon in 1990 with 527. And Matt Schaub in an overtime game in 2012 with 527. Have had better passing yardage days than Joe Burrow. And uh, it was something. It was something to behold. I asked Burrow if it was on his bucket list to throw a 500-yard day. And he said, never really even thought about it. Just kind of went out and happened. And at some point in the fourth quarter, they realized they had a chance to do it. And they decided, as we saw late in the game that they were going to go out and do it. And they did it to the apparent chagrin of Ravens coach John Harbaugh.
2: Well, and hey, listen, that thats I, I've always said, you know, when, when people complain about in, in the pro sports, if they run up a, a score, if they keep throwing it, tough, man. You don't want them to do it? Stop them. Don't stare across the sideline and wonder why they're doing it, why they're still throwing. Stop them. So, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think anything of that. You can go ahead and be as mad as you want. Your pro, you're professional coach, your professional athlete, stop the other team from dismantling you, which is something Baltimore couldn't do. And to start off what you said, you're right. Uh, it doesn't matter. No one's feeling sorry for anybody in this situation. Whether it's injury or, in this case, a lot of it is COVID, is you feel the team, you play with that team, and you let the chips fall where they may. And in this one, and it happens to everybody. And there was a couple of games this weekend where it happens. You play long enough, well, I, you know. I've been on both sides of it: on the positive side of getting a big win, and on the negative side of getting my butt kicked and having to sit there the whole game, like Washington did, you know, last night, getting drilled by Dallas when they could have ended that game at halftime and probably would have loved to end the game uh, at halftime. But what Cincinnati is doing, not only this year, Mike, but what they're building with the youth they have, what they have with Burrow and with Mixon and with Chase and with T. Higgins. T. Higgins, for you young kids out there, you want to see how to catch a ball with your hands. That man is incredible with how he uses his hands, not his body to catch a ball, but snags it with his hands to make a catch. It was impressive performance offensively, especially offensively from them. And again, not just for this year. We'll see how far they can go. They're obviously playing for this year. But Cincinnati Bengal fans, I know, can be kind of cautiously optimistic, like, wow, we may really have a good team. And not only a good team, we may have a good team for a number of years because youth is on our side here. So they may may, may be starting to deliver that message a little bit this year, like, hey, you know, we're not the Bengals of old. We know the history, but we don't care about that history because we all basically, you know, weren't around then. We were kids. So now we're here, we're the Bengals, and we plan on being good for a a long while.
1: That's the Joe Burrow attitude, and he communicates it. I think Peter King has described him before as a baby-faced killer, where he does, and we, (laughs) we, we talked about this a week or so ago on PFTPM. And I made the observation on Twitter, and apparently there's an entire club of people out there who get very indignant if you mention that Joe Burrow looks like Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone grown up more than Macaulay Culkin actually looks like Macaulay Culkin. from Home Alone Grown Up. Like, I I said that two years ago. Well, gee, congratulations. I didn't steal your bit. It must be obvious because a lot of people think that. And there he is. Not just with the grown-up Macaulay Culkin (laughs) face, the Santa hat, and the Krusty Krab t-shirt. An awesome ensemble. As I said on Twitter last night, I need someone to make this into a poster. It is just fabulous. But he's got the attitude, Mike, where... The pass doesn't matter. We're setting a new standard. When they swept the Steelers, we're not surprised by that. That's what we expect to do. Now they swept the Ravens. We're not surprised by that. That's what we're supposed to do. And they still have a game looming Week 17, Week 18. What used to be Week 17 is now Week 18 against the Browns. They get a chance at redemption because one of the eggs they laid this year was against Cleveland. And that's what's so confounding about these Bengals. They are capable of getting their asses kicked – just as frequently as they are capable of going out and doing that to someone else. And you don't know what you're going to get until you go out and play the game.
2: See, that's the next step with them because I, I called their, their Thursday night game you know, earlier in the season against Jacksonville. And Jacksonville had a 14-0 lead. Uh, Cincinnati was shut out in the first half. 14-0 at home at halftime and got booed off the field. So it was like, Okay, here we. I'm sure the fans were like, "Here we go again. We get teased like we have a good team, and then we do this to basically a team at that point, in Jacksonville, who had no wins. You know, we suck again. You know, I mean, it's a, it's not <laughs> going to change. We're in the same wheel. We're basically, basically, Burrow is saying, no, no, no. You know, that that's not that's not it, and that's going to be the difference for the Cincinnati team. Is they can win but now they have to do it consistently. If they want to be up with the big boys in the NFL, in the upper echelon of of the NFL, a place they haven't been, they need to win consistently. So that's the next thing. And, you know, when you sweep a couple of your division foes, that's starting to show some of the consistency. So they're on their way. Uh, They truly are. I don't know if the Cincinnati Bengals fans can allow themselves to believe that yet, but those players on the team – Believe that, and that's the most important thing.
1: Well, and a week after the Ravens did a great job of covering Devontae Adams relative to what, you know, Devontae Adams usually does, Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, was talking earlier in the week about how they don't have to quite do the same thing with Bengals receiver Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Let's not give him a gold jacket quite yet. And that was on Burrow's mind yesterday. He talked about it after the game. We played a little of it last night on Football Night in America. Here is some of what Burrow had to say about the the words of Wink Martindale from earlier in the week.
2: But did you see the comments this week from Wink Martindale about not giving you a
0: gold jacket just yet?
2: Uh, yeah, I did.
0: Did that mean anything to you at all? Did it resonate with you at all?
2: Um. I didn't think it
0: was a necessary comment. I wouldn't say I was offended by it. I mean, I'm in year two. Who knows what's going to happen down the road? But I didn't think it was a necessary comment. Was it on your mind when you were throwing at the end of 525? <coughs> Maybe. <laughs>
2: John, what are your thoughts? Um, two minutes left. They're all like 20 points. They go empty, and throw a 50-yard pass. What were you thinking at that point? You know, I just—they call their plays. You know, we call our plays
1: the The words from John Harbaugh at his press conference slightly different from the reaction that we saw as Harbaugh left the field, and many of us in this business have been on the wrong end of a face to face John Harbaugh lecture. I know it when I see it, and I saw it yesterday because, and Matt Casey can attest to this. He was there to witness it back in 2013 at the league meetings in Arizona. I have been on the receiving end. If we have that footage of Harbaugh basically saying to Zach Taylor and the lip readers out there uh, have confirmed that it's something along the lines. And frankly, I've, I'm my lip reading days are over now that my, my earpiece is working again. I'll explain later exactly what was wrong. There was a very high tech. There was a very, very detailed and elaborate technical fix for it. But uh, it it was something along the lines of why'd you run that play there at the end? Because what happened was two minutes left on the clock. They threw the ball deep to get Joe Burrow over 500 yards. A 52-yard catch and run to Joe Mixon. And Burrow told me after the game in the fourth quarter, they recognized they had a shot at 500, and they were going to go get it. He didn't know the record was 544, You know, he didn't say this, but maybe they would have tried to get to 544. Onside kick, get the ball back. I don't know, score the touchdown, keep going and keep going. But here's the play that happened with two minutes remaining in the game that put him at 525. It wasn't necessary. They were up 20 points. It was third and four, so, you know, they could have run the ball, chewed some clock, maybe punted, maybe gone for it on fourth down and turned it over if they had to. It's 20 points. You're not going to blow a 20-point lead in, in, you know, a minute and a half. But here's Harbaugh. If you see him, where do we have it? I've been waiting for Harbaugh. I I'll, we'll get we'll get Harbaugh. We'll get Harbaugh. But anyway, look, Harbaugh can't complain about it publicly, Mike, because all the way back in Week Four, remember when Vic Fangio complained about the Ravens running the ball in a situation where they absolutely, yep. positively should have taken a knee? Harbaugh defended it, saying this streak means a lot to us to have. 100-yard games, and they tied the Steelers all time. So Harbaugh knows he would be a hypocrite. Why'd you run that play right there? Why'd you run that play? See, he knows he can't say anything about it now. And he also has in his pocket now, going forward, the ability, if he ever does something like that in the future, he can say, I didn't complain about it when the Bengals did it to me. Well, he didn't complain about it publicly, but he definitely had something to say. I'm telling you, folks, I've been Zach Taylor in that conversation. He definitely had something about to say about it to Zach Taylor.
2: How, how great, if, if in fact the, your lip reading is right and he said, you know, was it necessary to run that play, how great would it have been for Zach Taylor to have that quick of recall and say, well, it was about as necessary as you running Lamar Jackson to keep your streak of 100-yard games going on. That would have been one of the great comebacks had he said that because that's exactly what went on. You know, Zach could have said, listen, not many guys have thrown for over 500 yards. We wanted to give them over 500 yards, just like you wanted to keep your streak 100-yard, you know, rushing games going. I mean, it's it's basically that simple, and I don't have a problem with it. Again, man, this is pro sports. You don't like it, stop them. That's just the way it goes, you know. And, you know, going all the way back, to to... Joe Burrow and Wink Martindale. Listen, Wink, you know, probably shouldn't have said that publicly. But again, is is that something Joe Burrow needs to be motivated to throw 500 yards? I don't know. But... You know, because what Wink Martindale was thinking or what he said was true. It's like, wait a minute, this guy's in his second year, let's not annoy him. You know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time yet. Let's let's hold off on that. But I'll tell you what, what Joe Burrow and these young Bengals are doing, they're showing the rest of the league, hey, we're here, you know, we're performing now. So I think they're getting the respect around the league that they think they should be getting right now for how they're playing.
1: And I asked Burrow specifically about the question of potential criticism for trying to get to 525 or 500 or whatever the goal was. And he said, uh, this is the NFL. This isn't pee-wee. This isn't high school. You play until the final whistle. I don't care what the score is. We've been in spots where teams go out there and do that to us. They, the Ravens, did it to us last year. No sympathy from me. And that was Burrow's position on it. And, you know, Mike, I'm trying to discern Zach Taylor's response to John Harbaugh. I'm pretty confident about what Harbaugh said. And there's no way that Taylor said enough to articulate the point that he should have made. That it didn't stop you when you wanted to get to 100 yards. But maybe Zach Taylor simply says right here to John Harbaugh, Vic Fangio says hello and walks off. That would be the perfect—that would be the perfect— retort to John Harbaugh in that situation. But I suspect that's why he didn't complain about it. Somebody reminded him or he reminded himself. You can't, you can't, you cannot. Right. Because that's all anyone will play they'll put they'll they'll put a montage together of Fangio and you from week four and you from today. You cannot do it. So to his credit, he did not do it when it was time. But you know what? He'll meet with reporters today sometimes the thing about that competitive harbaugh nature they kind of give into it sometimes and maybe john harbaugh have something to say about it today
2: yeah it uh you're right he he can't and i would imagine either he had the recall of it or somebody did say something to him that that he can't complain about listen i mean this is this it's almost crazy that we're talking about it this much The bottom line is what Joe Burrow said is right man, it's the pros. This isn't a place to complain about any of that. You know, you get ready each week, getting ready each week is a monumental task for every single game. And then there are reasons in that game why you do certain things. And, and I, and, and listen, I've been ripped over the years for saying what I've been saying to you this morning. So, oh man, you know, what, what kind of message is that showing to college or to high school kids or to little league? And, and you know what? My, my thought is, man, if some little league kid is watching that and saying, coach, why are they running that up and said, you know what, son, if you reach to the NFL someday, you go ahead and do that while you're playing on my might of my team, you don't, it's that simple. All right. You just tell him you don't do it at that level. If you make it to the top level, man, all bets are off. You're a pro athlete. That's just the way it goes. If you get your butt kicked in the score run up on you, so be it. Deal with it in the film room. Deal with it on the practice field the next week.
1: The only thing I wrestle with, and I don't have the answer to this, there is a point where it is appropriate to just take a knee and get out of dodge and avoid a rep could expose someone to an unnecessary injury. That was the complaint about the Ravens back in week four. But right there, it was third and four. There was two minutes left. It wasn't time to start taking knees. You know, they were going to run a play there. The question was, are they going to throw it? Are they going to run it? Either way, there's going to be an incremental injury risk to all players on the field. So that isn't really the concern in that spot. And what they did, once they got to 500, they didn't try to score. They took knees. They took knees and avoided any right. further potential risk for injury. But I think the NFL would advocate at this point, once the game is decided and you are at the point where you can take a knee and not have that extra rep that is going to potentially get someone injured, because there's always that one extra rep that does it. You never you know, that's why they've they've tried to de-emphasize certain aspects of the game. You don't want that that extra risk of injury because it adds up and you do get guys injured, but that that didn't come into play on that. They were going to call a play, they were going to do something, and we saw what they did and the end result. 525, and the Bengals are on their way. Is there something, you know, we talked about the potential flaws with the Patriots. And with the Bengals, it's it's just, you know, that it's, what's so weird about it is there isn't some glaring problem that they have as I see it. It's just on the days that it works, they're great. And on the days it doesn't work, it isn't like you can point to one thing. It's like nothing really seems to work for the Bengals on the days when they when they lay an egg, but is there anything that you could point to on either side of the ball where you think the Bengals need to be concerned about their ability to pull it together and win when it's time to go to the postseason, if, as it appears, they get there?
2: Well, I mean, again, the main thing is going to be consistency, uh, without question. And and also, Joe Burrow has been sacked, uh, I believe, 47 times. So I mean, he's taken some hits. So there, there can be there can be offensive line uh, issues at time, uh, at times. And listen, defensively, I think they're they're a good team, uh, and I think they're getting better. Are they a great team? No, they're about you know middle of the pack. You know, they're they're really good against the run. I think giving up only about 92 yards a game. But total defense, I think they're right around the middle of the pack, something like that. So, again, to me, it's consistency. Keeping Burrow upright. And, again, he's a young quarterback. So, sometimes it's not all the old line's fault. When you're a young quarterback, you'll hold on to the ball too long sometimes to try and make a play down the field. So, there are, again, while they're improving, they're in no way, shape, or form a perfect team they have flaws like I talked about um, you know defense statistically in the middle their quarterback getting sacked some and then it's just the consistency of playing at that high level and that's what coaches preach you know you have a great game like they just did now you go into work next week and it's like we got to do that again you know you can't have the letdown or one game doesn't mean as much when you go into the next week and you let down and you get beat because that's what we've seen a lot of teams do this year. So for me, it's just been you're, you're built. they're building a really good team. And now the key is to get players to play consistently. It's a young team, including a young coach. So they're all building this together. You know, not like Zach Taylor, been a head coach for an awful long time. So they're all building this together. So they're all getting used to the consistency of playing at that high highest level you can't just get up for certain games you got to get up every single week in the nfl or you can get your butt handed to you
1: and mike they remind me of the cardinals in that respect one of the knocks on arizona they don't have the playoff experience cliff kingsbury his third year as an nfl head coach when it's time to get to those high stakes games Are they going to be as prepared as the Packers would be with Aaron Rodgers and company, as the Buccaneers will be with Tom Brady? Even Dak Prescott and the Cowboys have had postseason moments it's all going to be new for the Cardinals and going to be new for the Bengals and I asked Burrow about that yesterday and he said the past few games have been playoff games for us because we know if we don't win we're not going to make it they got the Chiefs next week in a game that they need if they want to win the AFC North in Cincinnati then they have to go play Cleveland in week 18 a team that beat them 41 to 16 earlier this year so these high pressure regular season games are what is shaping them for what's to come and that's all they really can do. And we've seen what the Cardinals are doing in the high pressure, high profile games. Every time they're in prime time this year, what happens? Packers, they lose. The Colts on Saturday night, they lose. The Rams a couple of Mondays ago, they lose. They're not rising to the occasion. The big moments, the Bengals are, and they can really they can really get everyone's attention if they would would play against the Chiefs the way they played against the Ravens on Sunday.
2: That 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 is the key. Again, you just said, you know, you put yourself in the position now where you're leading the division. You can control where you end up, you know, by, by taking care of your business. We saw that's what Kansas City did going on this late run. Now they've had the number one seed. They've won their division. So now how do you play against this team? What you're showing is you can score points. So even if you're down to not panic, again, with a lot of young players and say, keep calm and say, okay, we can come back and we can rise to the occasion. And they're not going to do it every single time, but that's the next step. That is the next step. Okay, you've handled Pittsburgh twice, you've handled Baltimore twice, you're growing, now you're going to take on the hottest team in the AFC and one of the hottest teams in the NFL in Kansas City who seemed to have gotten their offensive swagger back and the defense is playing better. Now how do you do against them? You go out next week and lay an egg and get smoked by them, Everyone's going to say, well, okay, you know what? Getting better, but just not ready for prime time yet. So it's in their hands. It's in their hands what kind of week they can have.
1: And by the way, we have come back. We have risen. We have fought through the very specific and convoluted technical challenges. And as we go to break, let me just explain to you what occurred. See this here? I'll show you the apparatus. This, this piece that goes into the ear. here is a key feature of it. This line here, see this cord? For it to be effective, it must be plugged in. If it's not plugged in, you can't hear anything. So it was on me. My cord was laying on the floor, unplugged from my ear. So uh, that's that. We'll be back with more uh, on the 16th Sunday of the NFL regular season. PFT Live, back after this.
2: And so, listen, we don't take any of those uh, experiences for granted at all. Um, I know we get a free t-shirt but, and a hat, but um, there's a lot of uh, sweat that goes into this, uh, a lot of effort pushing through things that you
0: normally don't have to push through to get to work, and, um, and both
2: mentally and physically.
1: The t-shirt and the hat are nice. The Super Bowl ring is even better. The Chiefs got theirs a couple of years ago to go with the one that they won 50 years earlier in Super Bowl four and eight straight wins now. And they destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, think about the Steelers. They just have to have everything fall perfectly for them. And it helps to be playing at home if they're going to get a victory they go on the road lately and it's just a debacle they were down 29 nothing in the second half against the vikings a couple of thursdays ago before the vikings did what they do whenever they have a big lead the chiefs don't do that the chiefs took a big lead and turned it into a 36 to 10 victory mahomes with three touchdown passes the steelers not very good at all ben roethlisberger clearly coming to an end but i think that's going to make him even more dangerous these last two games against the browns and the ravens but yesterday they weren't dangerous at all mike i mean look it was kansas city's day even without travis kelsey who tested positive for covid and did not qualify to return under the new protocols that supposedly make it easier for guys to come back tyree kill was able to come back after his positive Diagnosis, And, you know, the Chiefs made it happen. And uh, they did it on both sides of the ball, and it helped. The Steelers just had one of those days where, where they show their age and they show how far they have to go from a talent standpoint to get to where they want to be.
2: Well, I mean, listen, we, we, we've talked about Pittsburgh all year. They're, they're a team that just doesn't score. They're averaging 20 points a game. They, they just can't score enough to stay in games and when Kansas City start scoring the way they do Pittsburgh you just you know they're not going to be able to catch up especially on the road what is that the last the three road games they trailed by at least 23 points so they're getting smoked and they don't have the ability to come back that's why you know this is the farewell tour for Ben and we'll see where it goes from here where Kansas City no Kelsey no problem you know uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire we'll have to see how his collarbone is he had to leave that game you know, they're getting nicked with injuries. And again, remember, it's about attrition and how can you heal up and then throw in COVID as well on how that's going to affect you. They're playing like we thought they would play because we saw the last two years. It took them a little bit to go where all of a sudden people are screaming that Pat Mahomes is broken. Uh, The dynasty is over, you know, and it's like, hold on, you know, let's, Let's go a few games here. You know, they had a losing record and all of a sudden, eight straight later, and it's like they're back. You know, they, they've risen from the dead. They're like the undertaker in wrestling, you know, and they're, here, here we are, you know, being the top team. And it's like, it's like going into next week is we're back to where we were at the beginning of the year. It's going to be Kansas City and Buffalo. Who's going to represent out of the AFC? So it, it kind of blows my mind a little bit, the crazy year that we've had and throw in to that to make it even crazier and the ups and downs. And now getting toward the end, we may be right where we all thought we would be in the beginning of the year.
1: But, you know, it is funny as we see this dynamic play out with so many different teams, and the Chiefs are, are maybe the best example of it now that they've won eight in a row after they had been left for dead at the bottom of the AFC West. And they were at one point at the bottom of the AFC West. You get these Chiefs fans, they get indignant. Oh, you, you, you said they were... They weren't good. Well, they weren't good. I mean, what else are we supposed to say? Yes, they could get better, but currently they're not good. Currently, they're in fourth place in the AFC West behind the Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers. They earned their spot. Can they dig out of it? Sure, anyone can but we focus on what's in front of us. And there were some bad games that were in front of us that we were breaking down on these Monday editions of PFT Live. And the Chiefs weren't playing well. They weren't getting it done. They weren't being patient with the ball. They were still trying to force it down the field, even though the defenses were taking it away. And their defense, at one point, Mike, was historically bad in the yards per play that were being allowed to the opponents. It almost reminds me of what Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator in Kansas City, once did with the Giants. Remember his first year with the Giants, 2007? His defense was abysmal the first two weeks. They figured it out. Oh, they won the Super Bowl that year eventually, but the first couple weeks of the season, they couldn't stop anybody. So yeah, we know teams get better, teams get worse, but they're the ones who are the authors of their eventual destinies. They're the ones who have to show us what they're going to do. And the Chiefs did it. They turned it around. Good for them. But before those eight straight wins, there was every reason to ask those questions. And they found a way within themselves to answer them.
2: Yeah, listen, I, I agree. I agree. But that, that's why we wait. And, and listen, we're, we're in a week-to-week business when we do this. So you talk about what happened in week one, what happened in week three, what happened in week five. I get it. I guess I was more toward the people who were the doomsayers are saying, Oh, they're done. You know, whatever run they had is over now instead of, okay, yeah, they're playing bad right now, but let's see, you know, where you are in week three is not where you are in week 10. And they're, they've been, you know, incredible in showing that and how you can improve because now we're looking at who, who can challenge it. Listen, we know the way this season has gone, Each week, you never know what's going to happen, but they're consistently playing good right now. So if they keep doing that, who's the team that can beat them? I mean, are we down where in the NFC, we we start talking about a deeper conference, but in the AFC, does it go further than Buffalo? When when, when Josh Allen is running and doing his things, I know Cincinnati can put up points, but are we putting them there just yet? I mean, where does it go? Tennessee, we don't know what players they're going to have back, you know, from injury. So where does it go after Buffalo? Or does it? Or are we just waiting if these two teams start to play consistently? And and you damn well better be by the end of the year. You you better be in the mode now where you're playing close to the top of where you're going to play. Because this is when you need it the most, right before the playoffs. I mean, after those two teams, I find it hard to believe that a team, again, every every game can be a different game. I get it. But from the consistent level, it's tough for me to go past Buffalo to think of what other team can take out Kansas City.
1: You know who I think could be a problem, though? And the irony is that they play their home games in a dome, but they are built. If they get a bad weather day, like the Colts-Chiefs playoff game of three years ago in the divisional round, and it was a bad weather day, the Colts have the defense. The Colts have the offensive line. If they have everyone healthy and ready to go, or if they don't, as we saw on Saturday night in Arizona, and as you saw firsthand, Mike calling the game for Westwood won. And with Jonathan Taylor, they the Colts can be that team that throws the wrench into a Bills-Chiefs AFC championship and then takes the next step and beats whichever of those two teams doesn't have to face the Colts in the divisional round. That's
2: how it could go. Listen, you know what, that, that is a great point, and you're right. And shame on me, because I've always said the line, if you have a running game, you can play in the parking lot, you can play on the moon, you can play in zero degrees, you can play in 100 degrees. If you've got a running game, you're going to be in the game. Carson Wentz isn't turning the ball over, and that defense is hawking. They have the most turnovers in the league. They did it against Arizona without Four starting offensive linemen. Three didn't even start the game and they lost Eric Fisher during the game and their tight end in Jack Doyle. So kudos to them and really shame on Arizona. I mean, you. Were, this was basically ones against twos and Arizona couldn't do anything with it with their defense. So you're right. If you have a running game and they have it with the MVP and Jonathan Taylor, that that, that can keep you in every game.
1: And the reason that the Kansas City Chiefs clinched their sixth straight AFC West championship on Sunday is because the L.A. Chargers have proven that they just aren't ready for prime time, for non-prime time, for local access, 2 a.m. They're just not ready. And they have the talent. Justin Herbert voted by the fans, by the coaches, and by the players as the starter from the AFC for the Pro Bowl I first thought when I saw he was the starter for the AFC for the Pro Bowl that it was so overwhelming among the coaches and the players to overcome the fan vote because surely the fans aren't ready to recognize that Herbert's the best quarterback in the AFC no they did they did the fans saw it everyone saw it but the better this guy is and the worse the team around him does first of all you have to ask Well, based upon some of the throws we saw yesterday, is he really the best quarterback in the AFC? But secondly, what is the quality of the team around him? That's inexcusable, Mike. When you're playing a Texans team that is done, that is cooked, that is baked, that is over, and you are trying to write your ticket to the playoffs, if you can't beat the Texans that day, you have no business being in the playoffs. Sims and I were saying last week, we don't want the Raiders in the playoffs because they'll just go get their. Ass is kicked and it will be a bad game. We don't want the Vikings in the playoffs. Same thing. I feel about the Chargers the identical way right now. After that, yesterday, I don't want you in the playoffs. No, I want good playoff games. I'm not rooting for a team to get in to say, oh, I was right. I thought the Chargers would be good this year. You're not good enough to go to the playoffs and entertain us, so don't go to the playoffs. You're not invited to the party.
2: (laughs) Uh, A lot of inconsistency with them, but Herbert, listen, since the end of the game, after the team doctor took, you know, Tarad Taylor out last year, uh, he is, we, we have been, done nothing but gush about this guy. So we do have to remember he is a young quarterback and he has been great to watch, but he had a bad game. Listen, those were bad throws, bad interceptions. It happens. And they just didn't have enough of the, enough of the team around him because that's what needs to happen. That's when you know you can be that, that, better team, that really good team, the great team, is if one part of your team is off and somebody else can pick it up, another part can pick it up. And not only did this not happen, but it didn't happen against a team with just a couple of wins in the Houston Texans. So, I mean, you're right, You, you can't get this kind of win, I mean, that doesn't say a whole lot for you going forward. Give credit to the Texans, again, and if you play long enough, you've been in this position, I know I've been in this position, where you're playing for nothing as far as playoffs. But what you're playing for is you're playing for pride and maybe most importantly, and I've talked about this before in a team sport, there's self-preservation. You know, most guys were like me, foot soldiers, and you're playing to make sure that that coach sees you playing hard so you have a job there next year or if you're gonna be a free agent, you can play somewhere else. So sometimes those Houston Texans type teams can be some of the most dangerous teams on why a guy's playing. Now, some guys already have the U-Haul hitched up to their cars and are just waiting for the season to be over. You have those players as well. But these teams can be dangerous, and they can jump up and bite you. But uh, it just shows if they do that, then that shows you just may not be ready for that prime time just yet. We all love the Chargers. They were a great story. But, man, that was an ugly, bad loss.
1: The Texans entered the day at three and eleven, and their win over the Chargers who entered the day eight and six. It was the 12th game won by a team over an opponent with at least four more victories this season. That's the fifth most in league history. So it just shows you even the bad teams have a chance to beat the good teams. And there is no automatic check the box. We're looking at these schedules over the final couple of weeks of the season. It's like like the Bills. Oh, the Falcons and the Jets, that's a win, that's a win. Don't be, don't be so sure. Because we have seen that the bad teams can get it together and give you a shock it's just even more shocking when it happens when the good team has its its goals right in front of it so there are seven teams in the AFC Mike that are circling for that seventh seed separated by one game the Ravens at eight and seven Chargers eight and seven Steelers seven seven and one Raiders also eight and seven Dolphins 7-7, seven and seven. they play the Saints tonight. The Browns and Broncos 7-8. and eight. Is there a team out of those seven? And maybe the answer is none of them. Is there a team that if you're one of the other playoff teams in the AFC, you're thinking, well, we'd rather that team not make it.
2: Well, I mean, listen, uh, I, as I look at them and, and see their records, it shows that they're inconsistent. You know, you're right at 500, you're a game under 500, you're a game over 500. But I'll tell you what, the Miami Dolphins, man, they find a way late in the season. They make that run, and all that's doing is building confidence in those players. You know, so let's see what they do tonight. Again, we heard Steve say earlier, if they win tonight, they're up in that seventh slot right now. And while you look at them and you break them down and you're like, wait a minute, you know, do we think they're a playoff team? Do we think they're that talented? Well, they're taking care of business on the field. You know, outside of Kansas City, they have the next best run going on in the AFC so they're getting it done so that's what that's what you look for when you're going to play a team they're a hot team right now they're playing well right now so their confidence level is is building right now so those kind of teams are always the one where you're like man you know what don't don't like that that team's on a streak right now I'd like to stay away from a team like that and Miami with a win tonight can put themselves right in the mix
1: You know, I would say the Ravens, though, frankly, from the standpoint of high stakes, playoff football, teams with experience, John Harbaugh, who's been around since 2008 as a head coach and has won a Super Bowl, Lamar Jackson, if he gets healthy by the time the playoffs start, I know that they have a ton of injuries on both sides of the ball, and they really have overcome it, like Like no other teams had to overcome it this year, but I wouldn't want them around. If I'm any of those other teams and I know I'm going to be in it, I don't want to be preparing to face the Ravens. But I agree with you. The Dolphins, another team to be taken very seriously. After they started the year one and seven, as soon as the door slammed on the Deshaun Watson talk, this was a different team, which maybe tells you that the Deshaun Watson talk should have been something on which the door slammed before the season even began for the Miami Dolphins. All right, we've spent plenty of time talking about the AFC side of the equation. We're going to flip it over to the NFC where the Cowboys pummeled Washington while a couple of Washington players literally tried to pummel each other. We'll discuss that next when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards.